BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. It's short track racing is where all racing started. I mean, it's even the NASCAR world started short track racing back in the day. And we just want to tell a great story. to, And to, not a story. We want to tell factual guidelines. Hear the unfiltered, honest stories of how grassroots racers have and can achieve their racing goals. Fast Car to NASCAR. Hosted by NASCAR driver Mike Wallace. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourself in, pull those belts tight, and we'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, former driver, owner, Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, they compete in the Arca Menard Series West, where they have nine championships nine count them that ain't easy the team also races full-time in the nascar camping world truck series fielding the number 19 toyota for Derek krauss it's bill McAnally. say hi to mike wallace hey it's great to be here with you guys hey bill nice talking to you today man that is a resume nine championships and all the things you got going on incredible congratulations well i i appreciate it it's been uh it's been a long haul with a lot of great people through the years, great drivers, and uh, it's great to, to get those accomplishments for everybody involved. Well, I, you've accomplished a lot, and everybody I know in the motorsports world looks up to you, Bill, as a, a race team that you want to drive for. Everybody wants to be part of, no matter where they're at in their career, whether they've won races and want to win more, they come to you, or if they're trying to get started. But part of our concept of our show is to talk about who was Bill McAnally before those nine championships and before that race car driver back in the day. So if we can back up out to California, you're graduating from high school. Were you a race fan, not a race fan, knew something about it? How, let's start there. How did you get going? Yeah, no, I was definitely a race fan. We had a small short track in our hometown at Ukiah, Ukiah Speedway at our local fairgrounds. It was a quarter-mile asphalt track like a lot of towns have. And I would go out there, something I enjoyed watching. I knew a few of the drivers, something that I never thought about doing. It was just out of my budget. I mean, to make money then, we'd cut firewood and haul hay. And I had a lot of work to, to make a little money, you know? Yeah. So as you you were going out to that racetrack, I assume then just as a fan at that point, or were you helping anybody on their race car, or did you just show up there and, as we say in today's world, drink beer and watch races? Yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. Well, I was too young. I, I was too young to get caught drinking the beer, but uh, we would we would probably have a few beers. But yeah. uh, we'd go out there, group up us wood, and we'd, we'd root them on. And no, I I never even went in the the pit area it was all grandstands we'd take dates and uh and have fun going out there well that's great so again it, it's you know to be honest and it's a compliment to you jeff if you see bill he looks like a he could be a football player he's a nice built well, it's one of the guy. things one of the things on on the bio as i was reading said uh, one of your passions bill in life is football 
specifically the San Francisco 49ers. So were you a football player before getting into racing? Well, back before I ran out of talent, I was at the, mm-hmm. at the high school level, you know, pop owner in high school and, and went to junior college. And a- after I graduated uh, high school, I had an opportunity to move to Sacramento. It's uh, the Sacramento markets an hour and a half for where I grew up over on the coast and uh, came to Sacramento and actually uh, had a job to work for the San Francisco 49ers summer camp. They would come here and have their summer camp at Sierra College in Rockland. And uh, wound up going to junior college there and, and spending a few summers working for the San Francisco 49ers. Happened to be in their heyday in the mid-80s when they were winning championships and had a lot of great players. And it was a great opportunity as a young man to see how a championship team, how organized they were, how prepared they were, how they ran their business in and out. It was an amazing opportunity for me to get to partake in and, and be a little part of for three months a year. Well, that that was the uh, the heyday. That would be uh, the Joe Montana world, right, at that, that time? That would be Coach Bill Walsh, right? Yeah. It was Co- Coach Walsh and Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, Tom Rathman, um, a great group of guys that all – None of, back in those days, I wouldn't say any of them were superstars, but, man, together they played hard as a team, worked hard as a team. I mean, you'd see guys, the effort that they would put in, big guys like Ronnie Lott, Jerry Lott Rice, they would show up with the rookies a week before camp started to get in some extra reps and work with the rookies. They were just committed to everything that they could put in to perform. Well, you know what that's all about, and I assume you learned some of that by hanging out with the 49ers, how tough that is, especially in the race world, how much effort it takes to to be as successful as you and your organization have been. So tell us about your driving career. When did that start? And uh, you went from sitting in the grandstands to would you wake up one day and say, I want to be a race car driver, or what happened there? No, it's something I was always intrigued with the nuts and bolts and wrenches when I was – 15 years old, I bought an old 67 Chevy pickup, and uh, one of my neighbors where I lived was a master tech at the dealership in town, and he had all daughters, didn't have a boy, and he saw me drag this truck home and go to work on it, and he started getting involved, helping me, giving me pointers. Pretty soon, he's working every night with me on it. He whipped out an old four-bolt main out from under his his bench and had a set of 202 fuelie heads and actually taught me how to build a motor. We went through the suspension, uh, rebuilt, put all new bushings, ball joints, and uh, rebuilt this truck from one end to the other. And uh, by the time I was 16, I had a, a real nice 67 Chevy pickup. It was a step side, and it was uh, a lot of fun building that truck. So that's where my interest in auto mechanics started and wrenching. And I was always tuning on this. I got some headers for it and always, always working on it, trying to make it better and faster. So that's where my love of going fast and, and wrenching come from, I think. Bill, back in that time, it's a current day discussion about NASCAR and the young kids or young people that follow racing. But back in that time, every, every guy had a hot rod, right? Everybody wanted to have a little truck, car, street racer of some nature, didn't they? It seemed like it. we'd cruise on the weekends, we'd uh, go up and down. I've burned so many tanks of gas going up and down the main street in Ukiah. We would just all cruise when certain places would park. But your vehicles and, and being out there, that's what you, that's what you had, right? And uh, you enjoyed it. That was your way to get away from the house, and it was yours. That's what I dreamed of. I had to borrow my mom's Ford Pinto. <laughs> yeah, but that uh, well, I started to say that made Wayne's World spot. That's not a Ford That's a gremlin, yeah. the gremlin. <laughs> so it, it wasn't one of those green pinos, was it? <laughs> it had the wood on the side. It was yellow with wood on the side. Yeah. The, the only thing I can say is Wayne over here is looking through the window, giving me the finger to be honest with you, because we're talking about Wayne's World. Wayne's World <laughs> party on. Sorry. <laughs> There's a storyline behind that, <laughs> but uh, so you you got the 
the f- desire to have cars, you have a truck, and you know, you're a race fan, you're a big football fan. I was reading also, and I'm intrigued by this because everybody had a job before they're a racer. And you were a lineman. Tell me, tell me about that. And the reason my interest in that is I have my son, Matt, has two buddies that are linemen. And they just come over happy as can be, make a lot of money, and they do good. So tell me about your, your lineman career. <laughs> well, I like I said, I worked uh, worked those summers for the 49ers and uh, did what I could to get through college. Uh, went to Sierra College and was looking at going to Puget Sound up in Washington was my big plan. Um, they were interested in me I was playing football and wanted to go up there and try to continue doing that and I took a summer job at Village Company to to make some money. It was a great opportunity. It was good money. They needed some summer help and started making money and realized that I liked it a lot. And uh it was uh it was good to have a little money in my pocket and then uh actually my my wisdom teeth flared up at the age of twenty years old. I needed those benefits that that utility company had to take care of getting my wisdom teeth took out. So I wound up staying here and spent 13 years working for the utility company. We had a lot of uh, older servicemen there, and when I came in, they were willing to give up their overtime. And so I was working overtime, making good money, and uh, wound up spending 13 years there, what I thought was going to be a part-time summer job. And finally, when I quit the utility company in 1999, I was able, I went racing full-time. That's about the time I got out of the car. So I went from utility company to being a full-time racer. Well, that, that's I just had to ask that again because, as I said, these two young men that come over to my house, friends of my son's, they're just always happy and they always got a pocket full of cash. <laughs> Jeff's had a tooth problem over the weekend, so I you just, maybe need to be a lineman. I just had a tooth extraction, yeah. Luckily, I have insurance, but I don't work for the power company. So, yeah. so back in 19... I'm sorry, Bill. Didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, so that I took that job full-time with the utility company in 86. And uh, like I said, I worked there through 1999. But it was... Uh, and that's where I found my love of racing, Mike. I was working for the utility company happened to go out a Saturday night to the local races here at Roseville's All-American Speedway and watching them race out there. And at that time, me and my roommate had bought, uh, it was when they first started coming out, those uh, remote control cars. They were four-wheel drive and had little shocks. And you could spend a lot of money buying aluminum wheels and aluminum drive lines. And they were battery-powered. And she, I had 1500 bucks tied up in this little toy car that we'd go play with. And the announcer says, you can be racing out here Saturday night. There's a, uh, we, we've got a thousand bucks claimer on these cars that are about to race. So if you see one racing and you want it, thousand bucks, you can buy that car and be racing it next Saturday night. I had just enough beer to go down there after the race and buy me one of those cars. <laughs> well, there you go. That's what that good lineman job position got you, is a pocket full of cash, you know? So, so well, I found out how to get rid of that cash real quick, Mike. I started racing. Yeah. You, know, you know what I found out from all good car owners and all successful ones like yourself? They all have the same story. Well, you know how you make a fortune in racing? Start with a bigger fortune. Right? <laughs> How you make a million bucks? Start with two. Two. That's yeah. what Felix Bata said. Yeah, that's true. I, I said it wrong, but uh, all good. So what we, you and I, have in common, Bill, I'm realizing in 1990, you won the NASCAR Whaling All American Series at Roseville, and in 1990, I won the Winston Racing Series at Lebanon and Bolivar, Missouri. So we got championships in the same year. What a coincidence. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you start at the entry level there, Mike, and work your way up? Or how, how did you how did you get there? Did you well, start love, in the Premier Division? I love that you uh, reversed the roles on me. <laughs> but, yeah, Bill, I'll be honest with you. I started racing 1957 Chevrolet in St. Louis, Missouri, in what they call the Sportsman Division. 
and I, uh, I drove for a gentleman, and we built the car. Him and I built the car together, and we had great success right away. My father was a local track hero. We won a lot of races there, and then, of course, my brother, Rusty, raced there a few times. And uh, But I won in a 1957 Chevrolet on asphalt, and then we started going dirt racing because it was right in the area there. And as your years advanced, we won some championships. But my big break came in 1990, winning the NASCAR Winston Racing Series Mid-America Division. And that was in a super late model in a three-eighths mile high-banked asphalt racetrack. You guys might have went over to Lebanon, Missouri once and raced. I think there was a West race over there recently. And uh, maybe we not. did. That was uh, Kevin. Kevin Griffin. Uh, yep. Was the promoter there, and yeah, we went there and had a had a West race one time. Coming back from away from Iowa. Yeah. So uh, the gentleman I drove for, Brad Willard, in 1990, him and his family owned that racetrack. Still own it today, and they're in the paving business and quarry business right there next to the property. And uh, if it wasn't for Brad Willard, I wouldn't have a career, to be honest with you. He uh, he helped me win that championship. And then, uh, I don't know, I took one of those crazy moves in life and said, I'm, I'm going big-time racing. Had no idea how I was going to do it and didn't have a pocketbook to back it up with. But fortunately, at that time, you didn't have to have money to, to get hired on. So. Well, that's much like my career went, Mike, from the grandstands, me and a buddy built a, a 70 Chevelle, and we were going to trade off driving it every week. And uh, we did, and that's how it started in what we called the bomber division. I mean, you, t- you basically take the glass and chrome out of it, build a little roll cage, and come out and race. You had to have a stock engine for that make and model, stock rear gear. It was a real simple division to get going in. Yeah, so that it seems like in some form or fashion, tell me if uh, I know what, we're talking to Bill McAnally, Bill McAnally Racing right now about his early days in motorsports. But Bill, just, I mean, that's kind of how everybody started back in the day, wasn't it? It was. The younger guys would be in those entry-level divisions, and and as the, the four-cylinders and six-cylinders got to be more common, there was F4 classes and you get the young guys to want to start racing, come out and run those real affordable divisions. A lot of them have claimers on them. If it's not the whole car, it's the engine. But that way, you know, a guy with a bunch of money is going to come in there and and outspend everybody and, and dominate. But uh, no, well, that's, that's where you want the younger guys at so they start stepping up and out. Bill, with all the successes you've had out west, uh, I wonder if, if – you, you ever thought of maybe uh, moving down south, and maybe we can touch on that in our next next segment. So we'll take a break right here. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, former driver, owner, Bill McAnally. Bill McAnally Racing. Once again, Mike Wallace. Well, Bill, you brought us up to date as uh, we're, we're about 1990 in your career. We both won rate championships that year. And how do you decide you want to become a, a car owner? Or give me the progression from the 1990 championship. Well, first of all, Mike, i got to ask you, being a Winston Racing Series track champion, as you are and I am, did you get one of those cool maroon Winston helmets with the big gold heels on it? Well, you must have knew that I was cleaning that this past weekend, didn't you? I actually, I, I won two track championships that year, so I actually got two of them. And I asked for an open face one because that's what I always raced. And then in that era is when the closed face, front face helmet was coming about. And they gave me one. So I have one of each. Yes, it's it's beautiful. It's the greatest trophy to ever have. Mike, can you bring those in next week and we can wear them while we're doing the show? We can. We can bounce off these soft walls in here. (laughs) (laughs) What Bill's talking about, everybody, is back when Winston was a sponsor of the NASCAR Winston Racing Series, they were incredibly, incredibly supportive of local short track racing. And they made you feel like a superstar. They really did. You won a championship, and you went to, in my case, and Bill might have went to the same one or been in a different place. But we ended up down in Nashville at Opera Land, and all the dignitaries from NASCAR were there, and all the, 
uh, Colin, the influential executives from RJR Winston were there, and they gave you this, number one is beautiful trophy, but they gave you helmets, and it had everything on the side of the helmet. They were burgundy in color, uh, Winston red or Winston right. burgundy, in gold letters, and tells you what, you what championship you won. So it's, uh, it's one of those trophies that, you know, you, I don't think I've ever seen anybody really wear one. <laughs> and they may have, but uh, I'm, I'm very case, proud yeah. of mine. No, me too, Mike. That's why I had to ask you that. It's in the showroom with our first championship trophy, matter of fact, on display. But that's uh, those are nice. And Winston, they did they did everything. It was they were a great sponsor to have, and they did make you feel super important. They did a really good job. Yeah, I loved it. And, uh, you know, we all contribute some part of our career of mine. If it wasn't for that type of racing, you know, I wouldn't have had an opportunity to uh, move to the southeast to the Charlotte area, meet the amazing Jeff Kent, you know, because I wouldn't have been here. But uh, this show's about you, Bill. Let's move on from uh, the championship at, uh, at the Roseville track. And... That was 1990, but you said you didn't quit the job at the lineman job till 1999. So, what'd you do in between there? Well, that uh, I definitely was hooked, and I had made my way up through the bomber division, the street stock division, onto to our premier division, the pro stocks at that time, and won the NASCAR Weekly, uh, Winston Weekly Championship, and that that gave me credentials. It gave me gave me a calling card, Mike, and. I uh, it, it gave me something to open doors with because now I could reach out to people as a NASCAR Winston Racing Series champion, and it would get the doors open where I could talk to them. And that was uh, that was the year I got in with Napa Auto Parts. It was 1990, and uh, we won the championship together. And then being a champion, I got to go to the owners' conferences and start meeting all the. Napa Auto Parts owners, store owners, and shop owners. And really, that championship and having that title um, helped open the doors for me to continue my racing. And I started racing some bigger open comp late model shows. And actually, in when I received my trophy, I got a call from the NASCAR Western Region Vice President clap and he congratulated me on my championship and asked me if I'd ever been to a Winston West race and gave me garage passes to go to Sonoma and uh, take in as a fan the Winston West race and at that time the Winston West cars it was a series created in 1954 that would help fill the cup field when they would come west because when the Cup first started migrating to the West Coast, we wouldn't have huge car counts out here. So Winston and NASCAR came up with the Winston West Series to promote NASCAR racing on the West Coast, going into some smaller venues and create interest in NASCAR racing on the West Coast. And then the West cars would help fill the field when the Cup would come West. And they gave the Winston West two provisionals to each cup race when they came west. So I went to this race as a fan and saw the West guys out there. I watched Jack Sellers going down the straightaway with Dale Earnhardt. And I was like, wow, a West Coast guy can have a car and compete in a cup race. This is fantastic. What a dream, right? Right. So I saved my saved my money, and in 1992, I bought an old Speedway Engineering Herschel McGriff uh, rear steer Pontiac and uh, put it together on a wing and prayer, stretching my dollars, bought a set of cylinder heads from Hendrix, put an engine together, and actually started in between my late model races, I would go to West races. I think the first year when I had that car, I did five races. And as a, a driver, I had a few top fives, never really had the wherewithal to put a program together that could be competitive at the West. At that time, we had Rick Corelli out here, Ron Hornaday, 
uh, Mike Chase, Bill Sedgwick, and those guys, they had some great sponsors with Ray Miller and uh, Spears Manufacturing, great West Coast sponsors and great West Coast drivers. Doug George is another one that was out here getting it done. And uh, so a good race for me, a good finish was to get up in the top five. And we had a couple top fives and just worked really hard to make that program better and better. I picked up two cars, three cars, build my program. My support from Napa continued to grow from different markets. If I was going up into the Portland market, I'd go meet with the store owners there and their ad council would build a big activation hospitality around a race in the Portland market and just slowly built my program and by 1996, I was able to run the whole series in a full-fledged Napa Auto Parts car. And that was the first year we ran the full West Series, and we finished ninth overall in the points. Bill, I have to ask you, because this is the, uh, if they want to call it the $90 million question to every young racer that approaches me. I listen to you. We'll back up to your Napa Auto Parts relationship. You met the guys from Napa in 1990. And you expanded that program. Did did you do that on your own, or did you? I mean, how did you know how to go talk to those guys? Because I get this all the time from people. Well, how do I get a sponsor? And it's like, well, you got to just be able to go sell yourself. That's the way I did it. it sounds like that's the way Bill McAnally did it. Or did you have someone help it and open that door for you at Napa? No, it was it was me selling myself, and it's. Uh, I think that's the best way to do it, Mike. When 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 young drivers ask me how how do you get a sponsor, how do you keep a sponsor? We've had 1990. The sponsorship started with Napa. We're in 2021 today. That's a 31 year relationship that we've had, and it you, nobody knows your program better than yourself. Nobody knows what you can do, what you can offer, and uh, I w- I would say my success with Napa from me being involved i've hired people to help find other sponsors and uh haven't had a lot of luck with that i've always been better getting out there and doing it myself yeah well if i may compliment you to have a relationship with a corporation for 31 years is incredible uh, most people don't even have a job anywhere for 31 years yeah. <laughs> much less keeping it i almost outside. made it 31 mike <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um Here's a here's a question for here's a question for both you guys. So I was just reading about this. The the you talk about Winston West, and you know for a guy that's East Coast, you know his whole life. The Arkham Menard Series West, formerly NASCAR K and N Pro Series West, NASCAR AutoZone West Series, NASCAR Winston West Series, and NASCAR Camping World West Series. Is that all one organization through the years? Is that how that has come to be? We're gonna let Bill answer yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has what happened. Winston sponsored it since 54 to uh, 1999, actually. I'll, I'll never forget that year because it was Winston's last year, and they went out with a bang, and we happened to win our first championship that year. And we had our awards banquet at the Hilton Waikoloa in Kona, Hawaii. You couldn't ask for a better award. Nice, banquet. I know. Especially if somebody else they, is paying They went for out it. with a bang. Yeah. But uh, after Winston left, after being involved in the series that long, um, they, you know, they had to find a new partner. So they went through the Camping World and the AutoZone and the different sponsors, and KNN wound up coming along, and they stayed with us for seven or eight years. It was a good sponsor. So it, uh, and then they bought the Arca series, and everything is under the Arca Menard series now. So it's Arkham Menard Series West, there's an Arkham Menard Series East, and there's an Arkham Menard Series in the Midwest. So there's there's three NASCAR regional touring series now. And how has uh, the Arkham Menard Series in 2000, we, we, we've jumped way forward now, we're in 2021, and we're going to go back to your days, but how has that sponsorship been for the series since we're talking about sponsors and how to get sponsors? Well, okay, John Menard uh, does a great job with the Menard series. I mean, ARC has been around for a lot of years. Ron Drager runs a really good program. 
the Arca series, and it's just educating the people on the West Coast what Arca Menards is. They're used to go up to a small track in Roseburg, Oregon, or up in the Denver, Colorado market. They wouldn't, Seattle, Washington, they necessarily don't know what Arca Menards is if they're not a diehard race fan. So we're educating them as we get into these markets and explaining what Arca Menards is. And we're educating them. But it's a great series. It's a strong series. It's got a lot of history. It's it's groomed and developed a lot of drivers throughout the years. Yeah, Bill, tell us about that because, I mean, I am – I mean, I've called you before wanting to drive your race cars, and I was too old or didn't have enough money or something. I don't know what the deal was, but uh, before I before I pass on, I'm going to drive one of your cars someday somewhere. So, but uh, tell me about taking that sounds the like a date. okay? Did you say that was a deal? Yeah, I think I think that's, that sounds like a date. You just closed a date, okay? Date Another that. deal has been closed. Yes. All right, <laughs> but because of I mean. Uh, one of the reasons I reached out to you is my admiration for your success. And it's nice to interview people that you've kind of known for a long time and you've watched, they've watched you, you've watched them, Jeff, you know, and Bill's always been that primo team. It always looks good. It looks the part to be the part. So when a young driver uh, tries to get involved with Bill McAnally racing, how, how does he do that? Does he, do like you did and I did. He won races somewhere, and you're out there scouting him, or they come scout Bill McAnally? Well, it, it worked several different ways. I'll get calls and emails, and we're always looking for the next up-and-coming driver. It just depends where we're at and what situation we're in. I try to work my program, Mike, where we've got a returning driver that's in their sophomore year, to help my new driver come along. We've, we've ran as many as four full-time drivers, um, but it's, it's, about, it's about finding them. We'll test them and see what kind of communication skills they have, see if they understand what they need to know. I mean, we travel different tracks every, every race, so going from a quarter mile to a one mile to a road course, They've got to know what the car needs. They've got to have paid their dues and have an idea what they need in a race car. And sometimes you'll have drivers and it takes you a year to teach them what they need in a race car. They've got to go out there and start the race too loose and drive the right rear off the car and have to drive on cords to understand you don't want to start too loose with the race car and knowing what too loose is. So it's, it's all a matter of, of the driver being able to communicate and have the experience to be able to communicate it to us. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to have Jeff take us away, but I, when we come back, Jeff, let's talk about Brendan Gone. Absolutely. Because he was, uh, I think he was one of your success stories, if I may say it that way. Absolutely. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, former driver, owner, Bill McAnally. You know anything about racing on the West Coast, you know Bill. And here's Mike Wallace. Well, Bill, you, you as we've been talking about all the success you have, and again, knowing you and watching your success, and one thing that intrigued me early on, you mentioned, you, you know, the 49ers and you watched the discipline from the organization and how they built an organization. It feels to me like you must have followed that lead. And as you develop through your own career in owning Bill McAnally Racing, you had some incredible drivers that came through your camp, won championships and went on from there. T- tell us about some of the drivers that uh, that you've had and, and, and a few little stories about them. Sure. It in uh, in getting out of the car. Let, let me tell you about that, Mike. In, in 1998, Diamond Ridge Racing, uh, Gary Bechtel's team, Keith Barnwell and Kevin Hughes, I met them there. They were selling off a lot of cars and equipment, and I had saved that money and went back there and bought a couple chassis from them and a roller car, 
and I was so excited to have this caliper of car from 92, that old Speedway Engineering rear steer car, to 1998. I've got a car that Jeff Green ran top 10 in the cup race that I'm going to run in the Winston West. And I couldn't have been more excited. And we, we brought those cars home and went to work on them. Now to Las Vegas in the 104 car that I bought. And it was the first for our first race of Las Vegas. And I, my crew chief, I qualified the first lap and he goes, you're in the top 10. Keep, keep after it. And, uh, the second lap going into turn three, I lost the car underneath me, and it it spun around. We hadn't spent a lot of time on a big track like that, and I, I lost it and backed into the wall, caught on fire, and just destroyed this race car that I'd worked so hard to save the money to buy, and I was so happy to have. And it just changed my demeanor as a driver. I then was way too careful, way too worried about tearing up equipment. I couldn't afford to tear up equipment. So I'm at California Speedway two races later, not having a lot of fun, worked hard to repair things to get there, and I'm sitting on the wall before the race with the driver, Gary Smith. We're sitting on the wall for driver introductions, and I told him, I said, I'm probably about done racing. I'm burning the candle at both ends trying to get the funding to do this. And I got a wife and two kids now. It just took a lot of fun out of it for me. I'm just not enjoying myself. And he said, well, what are you going to do with your stuff, Bill? You got a great team. I said, I, I hate it for them. I'm going to try to finish the year. And he goes, well, I've got some funding. If you want to put it together, if, it, if it's the money that's making it not fun for you, would you think about me driving? And so we went and tested. We had a great test. I talked to Napa. They were they left the decision to me. So 1998, I put Gary Smith in the car, and we chased Harvick for the championship that whole year, finished third in the points, won our first race up at Portland, Oregon. I got a taste of winning at this level. We beat Butch Gilliland for the, for the win up there. And it, it was just as fun being the owner, putting all the people in place, putting the equipment together and winning races than it was being behind the wheel and having to worry about tearing stuff up and paying for it. And uh, that, that was into my driving, and I haven't been back in a race car for competition since 1988 when I got out and gave Gary the, the steering wheel. Gary drove for me that 98 season. He was from Canada. He was a Canadian driver. And with all the exposure and activation we did with Napa, it was really hard to get Gary down here to do grand openings and sales events and conferences. So I had an opportunity to put Sean Woodside in the car the next year. His his owner was getting out of, of the, the ownership and was going to concentrate on his business more. Uh, Ray Claridge, he owned Cinema Race Vehicles. He worked with Lane Super and, and had Woodside in the car and he wanted to make sure that Sean had a good ride. So he worked with me and we put Sean in our number 16 Nap Auto Parts car that next year and Sean brought us our first championship. We won our first race at Tucson, one of those old winter heat races that was on TNN and uh, had a great field of cars there, but won our first race out of the gate. And went on to, a matter of fact, I remember racing with you a couple times that year, Mike. I, I was sitting here thinking about, uh, you mentioned Sean Woodside, and Sean and I had some incredible conversations during driver introduction. He was quite a char character. I uh, I enjoyed talking to him about his, uh, his nightclubs out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but wasn't Sean a, uh, besides a race car driver, wasn't he, and I don't know the proper word, but he was like a cinematographer. He was... He worked for, like, on shows, television shows, and that as a cameraman, right? He still does that and uh, pulls cable, wraps cable. They call him a grip, I think, is what they call him, or what they did back then. But, uh, no, he, he did that and raced cars for me during that. He's still got a late model. I'll see him here and there every now and then. He doesn't chase points. He just goes out and has fun every now and then, but... That was uh, that was the first full season with the driver in my car, and uh, we won the championship that year and never looked back. I 
decided I made the right decision being an owner. I was a better owner than a driver and, uh, and started building the program from there. Well, that's outstanding, and you've done a, f- a phenomenal job along the way. And I remember racing against Sean. I remember we're at Colorado, uh, uh, the Pikes Peak, Colorado Springs. But uh, one driver you have that under, I remember under your tutorage or under the Bill McAnally Racing name, and I just, I've known him for a long time, and he's funny and humorous and got a big tie to Las Vegas. But Brendan Gone, tell me how you and Brendan ever got together. Well, that's uh then that's, you laughed on that one. There must be a, <laughs> that sounds like that was a drinking story. <laughs> uh, we I had a lot of a lot of fun with Brendan. He uh definitely changed my life. Uh for the just, better or the worse. Having him, <laughs> for the better. For the better. Him and his dad Michael, they're they're a great family and in ninety nineteen ninety eight when I had Gary Smith driving for me, we received an invitation to run Twin Rigmotegi in Japan. And the tooth called me and offered me from NASCAR, offered me, said, Bill, we're going to bring some teams over there and we want to bring some best teams and we're going to have exhibition race. He goes, if you'd be interested in coming, we'd like to have you bring your team and cars. It was an honor. The next day I got a FedEx package, official invitation to go to Japan and put on an exhibition race. I thought, this is pretty cool. But talking to Gary in from Canada, he couldn't go to Japan. It didn't work but to get Gary to go to Japan. So I talked to Napa a little bit, and they didn't have any market share in Japan. They weren't doing any business there. They didn't want to help finance it. So I called Dennis Hoot back, and I said, Dennis, I really appreciate the offer to come to Japan, but right now it just doesn't make sense. We can't do it. I don't really have the depth, and sponsors aren't happy. My driver can't do it. And he goes, okay, Bill, I'm sorry to hear that. Really would have enjoyed having you. About five minutes later, my phone rings. It's Kenneth Smith again. He says, you're going to be getting a call from a gentleman named Michael Gone. It's a serious call. Take it that way. I said, okay. Michael calls me and says, hey, do you know my boy Brendan? And I said, yeah, matter of fact, he just got the pole. He drives for Walker Evans, got the pole at one of our races. He was hitting and missing, doing a few West races with us. And uh, he goes, he'd really like to go to that race in Japan. Would you be interested in having him drive for you? And I said, that's that's interesting. Let me." I said, Michael, the reason I'm not going is, I don't really have the depth. We're running for the championship here. We're chasing Harvick for the championship. And I don't have the depth to put in a container and send to Japan and be without it. I still have a race at Mesa Marin and Las Vegas after that container goes. He goes, I think we can work through that, Bill. You let me know what you need. We'll work with you. So uh, Michael worked with me. and We put Brendan in that car and, and ran twin ring Tegi. And it's funny when I when I closed that deal with Michael, he goes, "Bill, if Brendan hurts the car, what's the car worth?" Because I just assume pay you up front for that because I know he's going to wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, since so, we're talking about that, let me just stop you for a second. Twin wing ring Motegi. What what year was that? Ninety nine, two thousand. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. First year we went to that oval. They had done the Suzuka Road Course years before, but this was the first year on the oval. Yeah, I went there with Jimmy Smith. I drove his car over there, and actually we sat on a pole one year and led, and then blew up leading the race. And I was trying to put the year together what that when that was. Was it your container that got opened up, Mike, and the nose was knocked off your race car? Yes, sir. Yeah, that that was. I thought so. Yeah, wow. I thought so. Look yeah. at here, Jeff. We're in North yeah. Carolina talking to a guy in California talking about a wreck in Japan. About <laughs> race cars in Japan. Yeah. That had to have been fun. <laughs> so I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt. We, you, Michael Gaughan says, I'm going to go ahead and pay you for this car because he's going to wreck it. But you guys had a good race over there, didn't you? We did. Brendan did good. He wound up, unfortunately, getting together with Bobby Hamilton and totaled the car. And uh, we uh, got it back in the container. And it actually started snowing after that race, Mike, if you remember that drizzle of the snow we had. 
Uh, that was a that was an experience I uh, I blame hitting the wall a few many times <laughs> since then to remember all the details. But uh, I know it was a it was a wonderful time. Everybody treated us very well over there. Honda Motor Company owned that facility, and they put on a big spread. It was great. But uh, I'm sorry, and I. I Jeff tells me I kind of get off track at times, and I do. So, uh, Brendan Gons driving for you. Mr. Gon says we're going to go to Japan. Then you guys, I assume, continue, right? Well, that was '98. So Brendan goes. We're talking flying home, and Brendan would really like to drive for me in '99. And as you know, I had Sean Woodside in the car in '99. What happened was Michael Gon, the, the type of man Michael Gon is. He had already told Walker Evans that Brendan was going to drive for him in the West in 99. So Michael held his word and Brendan drove for Walker in 99. I put Woodside in the car. We won the championship. And then Brendan drove for me in 2000 and 2001. We actually built a truck team and moved on up into the trucks after that. In 2002, we took a Napa truck racing, but... Brendan won the West Championship for us in 2000 and 2001, did an outstanding job. Napa loved Brendan, his personality, his humor. I mean, you couldn't couldn't have a, a more spontaneous track driver to entertain a group, I'll tell you. Brendan was a, was a great, great driver for us. Well, that's wonderful. As we want, go from Brendan gone, you're progressing, you're still doing the – West series, you are the, uh, I'm going to call you the king of the West. Uh, or I, somebody said the other day, describe Bill McAnally to me. I said, well, he's Rick Hendrick of the West Coast. You know? I like the best of the West. What the best think? of the West. There you go. Jeff Kent just named you the best of the West. Probably heard that it's before. It's my marketing you know. background, yeah. If, <laughs> if you steal it from me, you've stolen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, before we take this next break in a minute, tell us another story after Brendan gone, and we're going to get to where you're at currently today in this next next session. So, take take us to something on well, a break. We took Brendan truck racing and actually won at Texas Motor Speedway. We never really even thought about winning in a truck race. We were finishing 12th, 13th. hadn't even had many top tens in the truck. He got the lead at Texas, and we never looked back. And we won that O'Reilly's 300 in the Napa Auto Parts truck. And that was a real special night for us. And I kept the West program going, even though we were truck racing with Brendan. I had Austin Cameron take the wheel of the number 16 Napa Chevy, and we uh, we continued to race for championships and win in the West. What have where's Austin Cameron at? He he had a lot of success with you, right? I mean, didn't he win a lot of races for you? He did. We we won a lot of races. He got diagnosed with uh Hodgkin's uh cancer when he was driving for me, and he fought that cancer and uh wound up w- winning it and he's healthy as a horse right now running his dad's underground construction company in San Diego and uh, has three kids and a great wife, and he's doing fantastic. But, yeah, he won a lot of races. When he first got back in the car, Mike, the first year they had the Toyota All-Star Showdown. They brought the East and the West together at the end of the year, big money race. And after him being gone for cancer, he got back in our number 16 Napa auto parts car and won that race for us. It was a great ending to – it was a Cinderella story of a – heck of a season we had that year with him fighting cancer i thought you guys had won that race jeff where we're going to go from we're going to take a break here we're going to come back and put the bow on this package my friend we're talking to bill mcanally bill mcanally racing you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network presented by crosley and nascar digital media Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today, we're talking to Bill McAnally. Bill McAnally Racing. And I, we joked about it going into the break. We're in the break, and I, I keep wanting to call you Mac McAnally because Mac McAnally, if you know anything about music, wrote a hundred different songs, country, rock, whatever. And I just want to call you Mac McAnally for some reason anyway. I think he wrote 
one of the number one hits for Kenny Chesney, as a matter of fact. Wow, so am I talking to Mac Mac? No, you're talking to Bill, Bill Mac okay. but in, in my <laughs> in my crazy messed up head, it's Mac Mac. We'll see if we can find some music to go down that road. <laughs> so Bill, we're at this final segment here. We just we come from where you started from, all you know, being out with the 49ers and the intern thing, starting your own race team, winning a championship. Up to, you know, here in 2017, I'm just going to throw that one out there. 2016, let's use that. Todd Gilliland drove for you, and Todd's the son of a famous West Coast driver, Butch Gilliland, right? Well, he's the grandson of Butch. He's the oh. son of David. So, I, I, yeah, I, you know what? Three... You just showed your age. I just showed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I know better than that, but that's okay. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's crazy, Mike. You you know, here I am. I mean, back then working with Todd and raced with his grandfather and with his father, and then here I am helping develop the grandson Todd at 15 years old. Uh, an amazing opportunity to work with Todd and actually won back-to-back championships with him. Uh, he did a, a great job for us. And, uh, He's doing an amazing job in the trucks. He gave me one, the last truck race, and he has one truck race. So he's a very special young man. Good. Let me throw another name at you. It's being real popular in the race world today. That drove for you, Haley Deegan. Got anything yeah, about Haley? Haley came to. Yeah, she came to us uh, through through our relationship with Toyota, and uh, we tested her. Talk about a young lady that knew what she wanted in a race car. She, We took her out the first time to test at Irwindale Speedway, and she says, if this car was looser, I could go faster. It's just I'm having to wait and turn it in the middle. We said, okay, we'll loosen that for you, and she went faster. She pulled in and asked if we could loosen it even more because she could go faster. We did, and she went faster and never wrecked the car, never Irwindale's got a bump in it that you really need to have good control of that car. You get too loose, that bump will put you out. It's cost me many rear clips. <laughs> but we usually start the, the rookie drivers out with a little bit of a tight car there. But she, she knew what she needed in the car. She did a great job. Uh, the first year she drove for us, we took her up to Meridian, Idaho, and won a race, which that was a, a, a great race. She had to move her teammate out of the way cole rouse to win the race she moved him didn't spin him out and won that first race she did a great job wonderful was that a nice uh, exchange in the hauler when they went to change clothes that, that uh-huh. night <laughs> if, you know what it was all right we we calmed cole down and told him this will probably make it i said cole you could win this race and you wouldn't get the exposure you're going to get of Haley knocking you out of the way to win the race <laughs> and about a week later he said you know what boss you're right Wonderful. Now we uh, step forward to a current driver you have in, in the truck series, Derek Krause. So I'm going to let you take it for a while. I'm going to shut up for a minute. Tell us about Bill McAnally Racing at this, we'll call it 2020 forward till today. Well, Derek, ha- having, you know, we won a championship with Chris Eggleston. We got to work in the past with drivers like Clint Boyer, Chase Briscoe. Sarah Fisher, we've worked with some amazing drivers through the end, through through the, the start of being an owner and, and building the race team. And uh, Garrett came to us at 15 years old. I tested him. He was a great little driver, and I was excited to put him in a car. I had Todd Gilliland at the time and Chris Eggleston racing for us, and Derek's toughest decision was which one of those guys to follow because – that season between Derek, Todd, and Chris, they won every race on the West Coast. They did a fantastic job. They finished one, two, three in the points. And then as, as Chris and, and Todd moved on, Derek became our senior driver at 17 years old and, and won the championship for us. Was looking to go truck racing. Doesn't come from a lot of funding from his family and we were trying to figure a way to get him in a truck, looked at the cost of putting him in a truck with some truck teams and it wasn't going to work about that time up into junior joiner. Uh, his team Thorosport was moving to a different manufacturer 
and he had some nice trucks they were willing to sell. So we bought a truck and we bought a few trucks from him and put one together and went to Phoenix with Derek in 2018. And I was using it as a barometer to see. Back when we took Brendan truck racing, we could take everything off our West car, engine, transmission, rear end, brake package, fuel system, and it all went onto the truck. It was easy to graduate from the West to the trucks because you could use everything you had. Well, now the way trucks are, it's a different animal. There isn't a part I can take off a West car and put on my truck to go truck racing. So I use that Phoenix race as a barometer to see how we could do as a team. And we went out there and finished eighth in our first truck race with, with Derek. And so I decided to get serious about it. And we ran the full season in 2000, finished 11th overall, had a second place finish at Darlington and put a program together to run full time this year. We've had, I tell you, if it could go wrong, it has to us this year from us having assembly problems to pit stop problems to Derek having problems on the track. It's just been one thing after another. But we're 13th in the points now. We're a solid truck team. That truck series is probably the most competitive series I've ever been involved in. It's it's strong. You can go from leading the race to out of the top 20 real quick if you're if you make a mistake. And uh, we're working hard. We want to build a competitive truck program. We're going to uh, have a a second program next year so we can have better people involved. And we're just working on building a competitive Camping World Truck Series program. Hey, Bill, speaking of people you've got involved, it it says here that your your truck team is actually um, owned, co-owned by you and Bill Hilgeman. Is that correct? Yeah, yes, and, and Bill is a supporter. He's from the same hometown as Derek Krause, a great gentleman that's, that's helped me, and he contributed to us being able to build a full-time truck team. He's my partner in the truck program, and uh, it's uh, he's kind of a silent partner. He's, he's, he hasn't even been to a race this year, unfortunately. But we love having him when he comes around, and he's a big, important part of the program. You know, silent partners with money are, are, are the best ones. <laughs> well, it, it's not real silent because we found it on Google, you know, on the Bill McAnally bio. So uh, I just said hadn't heard that name before. But, uh, yeah, Jeff, you got that right. People that can help support your effort and, and, you know, and don't tell you how to do it. It works out <laughs> really well. Right. <laughs> So on that note, Bill, I heard you just say something that there's a possibility or you're in the process of a second truck team. Is that all in place and going to be in place for 2022? We're working on it really hard. Um, we're uh, trying to buy a place. I've been leasing places in North Carolina for years. Had an offer to, to buy a place and it fell through. So we're looking at opportunities to move our program into a more permanent place and, uh, and enlarge it. We, the more, the bigger of a program you have, the better people you can get, Mike. And with with two two teams, we can have better fabricators and better better engineers, and just we can put a really good team together if we if we have two trucks to pull from. All right, I'm not going to keep wearing you out here, Bill. I lo- have loved the story and how you've started your organization, uh, but I would like to ask just a couple more questions in closing. You're going to have possibly two truck teams. Does that mean that you're not going to continue West Racing or you'll continue keeping that West program alive? No, we'll continue keeping the West program alive. Uh, Napa Auto Parts, our partners like it. It, it gives us some racing on the West Coast where there's not a lot of racing, so it's valuable to our partners, and we're going to keep on West racing for sure. And did I read that you're also – I you've had Napa forever, but you're a, a Napa service center owner. You own a few facilities that you kind of uh, – I don't do know if you call that as your side gig or your main gig. <laughs> yeah. In 2004, we opened our first Napa Auto Care Center. It's a repair shop, full-service all makes and models repair shop and we opened a second one in 2011 
And uh, it was originally, I opened the first one to keep my race team busy in the off season because it just would run out of work in the winter to keep them busy. And I didn't want to be laying people off and losing people. So we built the auto care center and started working on friends and families cars and blew up to be quite a business. Screwed up and made a success out of it, didn't you, Bill? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not a bad thing. Bill, we're going to wrap it up right here. We want to thank you for your time today. It's been a great show. And you write great songs, man. Really. <laughs> we're we're going to say, I'm going to have Jeff put you together a group of songs and send them to you from Mac McAnally. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media.